Welcome to the City Hills Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that the message today helped you encounter God, love people, and discover purpose. For more information about who we are as a church, head over to cityhillschurchsd.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, click the Give button at the top of the homepage on our website. And now, let's jump right into the message. Welcome to church. Today we're starting a brand new series called Moving Mountains. And have you ever faced a mountain in your life? Have you ever gone through a season where you know the road ahead is going to be challenging? And in those seasons, in those moments, it's easy for our confidence to wane. It's easy for us to feel like rhythm and, and just everything going normal in life is it's just not going to happen anymore. We face those mountains time and time again in our lives. Have you ever been there? Have you ever experienced that in your life where maybe you get some news that just absolutely rocks your world or, or a bill comes in the mail out of nowhere or just a situation happens and, and you just feel like, where did this mountain come from? I was just walking along life and the road was, you know, there were some ups and downs, but all of a sudden I'm just faced with this daunting mountain. For some of you, the mountain ahead of you is not even a bad one. So many mountains in my life have actually been incredible opportunities. Opportunities to move places for for a job. Opportunities to have a moment in my life where I live out my purpose in an extraordinary way. And those mountains that are ahead of us, they're not always bad ones. They just represent that, hey, the road ahead is going to be an uphill battle. It's going to be work. It's going to require more out of us than a normal day, a normal season. It's going to require us to be locked in and focused. It's going to require us to push out distractions. It's going to require us to trust God a little bit more than we normally do. Those mountains ahead of us can be challenging. I know for myself, I feel like I'm in a unique season where I'm faced with a couple of different mountains. And one of those obviously being the loss of my dad and, and navigating grief and, and figuring out what that looks like and finding purpose in my pain and, and the why of why I wake up and just all of those things that we just talked about in our last series. But at the same time, the other mountain in front of me is hey man, we planted a church a a year and a half ago and now we're in the middle of a pandemic. And it's this season of sometimes we can be open, sometimes you can sing, sometimes you can't sing, sometimes you're closed down for months at a time. And it's just like, God, what is going on, right? And I know for me in this season, I've, I've had so many moments where I'm like, God, are you sure about this plan? Like, did you did you fall asleep at the wheels like one hand off and, and you're trying to grab your Coke or something like that? And like, what's going on, man? This is this is crazy. This mountain is so much crazier than I thought that it was going to be. And honestly, if I'm just being transparent with you, the question and the prayer that I pray more times than not is, God, are, are you sure you chose the right person? Right. Maybe you can relate to that. God, did you did you? Am I the right one? Did you pick the right person? Are you sure? Like, like maybe this is the perfect plan that you saw. Maybe this is exactly how you you knew it was going to be, obviously, because you're God. But like, maybe you messed up and there's somebody else supposed to be in this spot. 
And that's just the reality sometimes when we're facing those mountains, when it's a good situation, when it's a tough situation, when it's a heartbreaking situation. The reality is we reflect on those things. So how do we handle our mountains? How do we tackle these challenging seasons? How do you how do you tackle the incredible opportunities that you face, the new seasons that you're walking into, the new opportunities that you have that maybe for a lot of people, this season has been a really challenging one. But for you, you see God blessing your life and opening up incredible doors. How do you face those mountains that are ahead of you? And when we look at scripture, we actually see in Jesus's time on earth and in the Gospels in the beginning of the New Testament when Jesus was, was here on earth. We saw that he talked to his disciples about it, but his approach to mountains were completely different than ours. Imagine that. But before we get into that scripture, I want to talk about that word approach, because approach is powerful. It's one of my favorite topics to talk about in leadership. It's one of my favorite topics to talk about in relationships because approach matters. And you know this because you've experienced this. Husbands, if, if you're trying to go on that guy's trip to Utah to go hiking and play golf and do all this awesome stuff, there's a way that you approach your wife. And then there's a way that you don't approach your wife about it, right? Like you, you understand that you come at it from the wrong angle and it's, you're going to end up on the sofa or out of the house. Like you, you just understand that there's a way to approach things. Wives, when, when there's a situation with your husband where you see an opportunity for him to grow, for him to step up, maybe to be the spiritual leader of the house, or maybe for him to, to take on something extra and help with the kids. Maybe it's a friend of yours that you see that they have an opportunity to grow and you want to speak into that because you care about them. There's a way to approach it. And the way to not approach it is to just berate them about it, to nag them about it, or, or to just, you know, hey, make, make fun of them in front of your friends, like just kind of sarcastically joke about it. That's not the right approach. There is a, a way to approach them about something to help them grow. The same way that there's the way that we approach the good things in our life, understanding the blessing, embracing the time, embracing the incredible seasons that God puts in our lives. Our approach to the good seasons matter. Just like the way that we approach the bad seasons matter. When you, when you approach bad seasons and you freak out and you, you're just panicking and, and anxiety overtakes and, and you're angry and you're flying off the handle and you're yelling at people and it's just chaotic and it's like, I know the situation's bad, but man, you're making it worse. Our approach matters. And the way that we approach our mountains matters as well. When we look at the scripture, we find what Jesus says about mountains in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 14. It says this, At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them, and a man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire, into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. This is important. They couldn't heal him. And Jesus said, you're faithless, you faithless and corrupt people. How long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. You see, Jesus was really frustrated with the disciples. 
this little boy was, was possessed by a demon and the father brought him to the disciples and the disciples couldn't cast out the demon. And so he said, well, I'm going to take it up the ladder and I'm going to go to the big boss and see if he can do something about it. And Jesus is frustrated. He's like, you faithless people talking to his disciples, you, you faithless people. How long must I deal with you? How long do I have to be here with you before you you get it? You see, he wasn't frustrated that they failed. He was frustrated with their faith. He was frustrated with with what was going on on the inside of him. And actually in, in Mark, another one of the Gospels that's in the beginning of the New Testament, he he saw this same exact situation and he writes about it in Mark 9. And we see a little bit more detail in verse 21. It says, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, the father answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And here comes my favorite Jesus. I love sassy Jesus. Verse 23. If you can. Jesus says, time out, bro. If I can. Do you know who I am? I, I just love sassy Jesus, don't you? He just I love these moments in the gospel where he was just like, Hold on. I've been nice and polite, but it's time for me to get sassy. If you can, everything is possible for one who believes. This is a key verse for all of us today. Verse 24. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. Help me overcome my unbelief. This father explains something about our approach to the mountains in our life that's that's incredible here he is desperately wanting healing for his son and he says jesus listen i believe but man i need you to help me overcome my unbelief i need you to help me see how you can do this in our lives you see the truth is our struggle is not the absence of faith It's the presence of unbelief. It's the power of our unbelief. It's not that we don't have faith at all. It's not that the disciples didn't have faith. It's not that they didn't believe. It's that their unbelief creeped in and it just created this thing that it it stifled their ability to live out their purpose. It pushed down their faith and their ability to do what they were created to do. They had been casting out demons all over the place. They had that power within them. And then all of a sudden they're faced with this one and and they couldn't do it. It wasn't that they, they weren't capable. It's that their unbelief had hindered them from what was going to happen. And you and I face the same thing because... The reality is, is not that I don't have faith in Jesus. You see, it's not that I don't believe Jesus can. I struggle at times knowing if Jesus will. I know it's not a a capability or a capacity issue with Jesus. I know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus can do the most miraculous things that we, we can't even dream of imagine. I've personally seen miracles happen time and time and time again in my life. I know Jesus can, 
I just struggle sometimes knowing if he will. Maybe you can relate to that. There's zero doubt that Jesus has the capability to do something. But where I struggle is, is like sometimes I just don't know. Maybe, maybe this isn't God's will. Maybe it isn't God's will to bring that healing. Maybe it isn't God's will to change that situation. Maybe it's not in God's plan. And one, I, one that I struggle with a lot of times is, is maybe this is a situation that I'm trying to get out of that Jesus really wants me to get through because there's something important there for me. And so sometimes my unbelief creeps in, not because I don't have enough faith that Jesus can, but the unbelief comes in that goes, well, did God really say? Did, does he really want to? Is he really gonna show up this time? And it's that, that creeping in of that doubt that hinders our faith and what happens that I allow my unbelief to undercut my faith. My unbelief just undercuts my faith and, and then I struggle in seasons where I don't really need to. The story continues in verse 18. Then Jesus rebuked the demon and the boy and it left him. And from that moment, the boy was well. And afterwards, the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast out that demon? Jesus says to him in verse 20, you don't have enough faith. I tell you the truth. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Nothing would be impossible. And this is this is really important for us to understand over the next couple weeks as as we navigate some stories of incredible faith and navigate stories of these incredible moments where God did just miraculous things. It's not the issue of whether or not we have faith. It's the issue of, of what part our unbelief actually plays in it. You see, Jesus, he referenced a, a mustard seed. And, and in doing some research, I found out that the mustard seeds, the mustard plant that he was referring to in many of his parables, we actually have it here in Southern California and, and in San Diego. It's a plant that's called the black mustard plant. And many of the yellow flowers that we see all over our mountain ranges and all over our hills that are beautiful, they're actually this, this black mustard plant. But the issue is that from this small, tiny seed grows this plant that becomes a nuance, a nuisance. It's, it's frustrating because it just overtakes everything. It takes all of the nutrients out of the soil. It grows faster than the other plants and it gets more sunlight than everything else. And it kind of just like, it kills off all the indigenous plants because it just, it grows so fast. And one, one researcher explained it this way, said the black mustard plant grows faster than many of the other plants around it. It uses up all the nutrients and grows taller in order to receive more sunlight. The other plants around it have no chance to survive. Isn't that an interesting description? Don't you find it kind of fascinating that Jesus would refer to the mustard seed when it came to faith, that something as small as a mustard seed could be something that would move, literally move a mountain from here to there. Isn't that interesting? And I wonder if Jesus is challenging us to understand that, that what if our faith, 
What if our faith had that same kind of power? What if our faith had the power to overtake all of the other things in our lives, all the other things in our hearts and our minds? What if, what if our faith, could that small amount of faith, could grow to a point that it just eradicates the doubt in our hearts? What if it grew to the point that it just it established such a presence that nothing else could survive in our hearts and minds because our faith was growing so quickly towards the sun? I just think it's really interesting that Jesus chose that seed and that plant when you when you understand the description of of what that plant actually does. That faith the size of a mustard seed can grow that nothing is impossible, that you could look at your mountain and go, hey, get out of the way and move to the side. I believe Jesus is challenging us and challenging his disciples that even the smallest amount of faith can grow into something incredibly powerful. You see, the disciples underestimated their faith. They underestimated what they had the ability to do. They saw what Jesus did and and maybe it crept into their mind like it does with us. Man, well, I can't do it. I'm not Jesus. I can't do what he did. I can't live that way. I can't live my life the same way. I don't have that kind of faith. And Jesus is going, don't you get it? That's something, your faith that small can grow into something so powerful. Faith the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain from here to there. But you and I, we underestimate the power that our faith has. So how do we start? So how do we how do we feed our faith and starve our unbelief? How do we move mountains in our lives? When we look at scripture again, we see James, the brother of Jesus. He describes an important thing about faith for us in James 2, starting in verse 14. My dear brothers and sisters, what good is it if someone claims to have faith but demonstrates no good works to prove it? How could this kind of faith save anyone? For example, if a brother or sister in the faith is poorly clothed and hungry and you leave them saying, goodbye, I hope you stay warm and have plenty to eat, but you don't provide them with a coat or even a cup of soup, what good is your faith? Verse 17. So then faith that doesn't involve actions is phony. Faith that doesn't match with actions is phony. But someone might object and say, well, one person has faith and another person has works. Go ahead then, prove to me that you have faith without works and I will show you faith by my works as proof that I believe. You can believe all you want that there's one true God. That's wonderful. But even the demons know this and they tremble with fear before him, yet they're unchanged. Man, that's so huge. Even the demons believe that there's one true God, but their lives are unchanged. They remain demons. Oh, feeble sons of Adam, do you need further evidence that faith divorced from good works is phony? And he finishes up in verse 26. For just as a human body without the spirit is a dead corpse, so faith without the expression of good works is dead. Faith without works is phony. Believing 
is not enough. You see, the truth is that faith begins when we live out what we believe. Faith begins when we actually live out what we believe. James made it abundantly clear that faith and belief is just not enough. Just having and believing God is, is not enough. Even the demons believe that and, and it doesn't change their life. It's the same way for you and I. Like, I believe in parachutes. I understand their physics. I understand how it works. And, and I think it's a fascinating piece of equipment. But it's a whole different ball game with me believing in parachutes and me jumping out of a plane with one. On the ground, I can believe all day long in how it works and how special it is and what is just a feat of engineering. But when I jump out of a plane at 20,000 feet, I'm believing that that parachute is going to show up and do what it was created to do. There's a difference in our life between believing things about God, believing that he can do things and actually living our lives out in a way that proves that we do. It's a completely different ballgame. James makes it super clear to us that, listen, you can't just believe in God. You have to live in a way. There has to be evidence. There has to be proof. There has to be fruit that shows that you live out your life in a way where you believe it. The truth is faith is taking steps as if God is going to show up before he shows up. Faith isn't waiting till God to do something and we're like, oh, okay, here we go. Now we're a part of the journey. It's like, no, no, no. Faith is actually going, hey, God, I don't see you on the mountain yet. I, I don't see exactly how you're going to use this mountain, but I'm going to start climbing and I'm going to believe that you're going to show up. I believe that you're going to help me through it. God, I'm going to believe that you're going to move this part of the mountain out of, out of my life because I trust you and I believe in it. I'm taking the steps as if you're going to do something incredible with my life, with this mountain, with this challenge, with this opportunity. God, I'm, I'm living out my faith. I'm not just believing something about you. I'm going to live as if you are. And the last thing that I want to share with you about your faith is that our faith flourishes when we name our mountains. You see, we talked about this a little bit last week. One of the greatest struggles that we have is that we don't actually realize what we're struggling with. So many times in our life, we can't actually name our mountain. We can't actually name our struggle because we're distracted by the wind. We're distracted by the waves. We're distracted by the chaos all around us. And that's not accidental. You see, the enemy of your purpose wants to distract you from what's really going on in your life. The enemy of your purpose, he, he hides behind the chaos of your situation. He wants you to see all of the noise, all of the struggle, all of the battle, all of the things that's happening, all of the noise, and you miss what's really going on. But we serve a God who brings peace and calm to the storm. He steps in, he says, peace, be still. And he gives us an opportunity to see what's actually going on in our hearts, to see what's actually going on in our minds, to see what we're actually struggling with. You see, when we do that, it absolutely changes the game. When we can name our mountains, 
when we could go, God, it's not the situation. God, I, I recognize in my life because of what you're doing. I recognize how you're speaking to me. I recognize that I'm struggling with insecurity. I recognize that I'm struggling with the need for validation. God, I recognize that I'm dealing with pride, that maybe I think a little bit too highly of myself and, and I'm not giving you more credit than you deserve for what's happening in my life. God, I, I recognize that I'm dealing with grief. I recognize that I'm dealing with anger. I recognize that I'm dealing with fear. When we can name our mountain, it changes the game. The enemy of your soul, the enemy of your purpose wants to keep distracting you with everything else because he knows if you can be distracted by the chaos around the center of what's going on, if when you're distracted by that, you can't actually get better. So it takes us going, God, calm the storm. God, help me see what's really, really going on on the inside of my life. God, help me see what I'm facing. Help me recognize what it is that you're really doing and where I need you the most. Because when we do that, it gives us an opportunity to actually heal, to actually allow the Lord to do something in our life. And it moves that unbelief out of our life and allows us to see God's hand work miraculously because our faith is starting to grow. Our faith is starting to take the nutrients away from that unbelief that's been fed by the chaos of our situations, by the size of our mountain. It starts to lose its power because our faith is growing and it's sapping its energy away. And God's going, this is exactly what I've been waiting for us to do. There's one last thing that I wanted you to see in this story that I, I believe is important for, for some of you and, and maybe for all of us. As Jesus was explaining to his disciples the reason they couldn't cast out the demons, we see another element of this um, in that gospel in Mark, Mark chapter 9, verse 28. It's repeating the story. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out the evil spirit? But this time in, in Mark's account, he explains it a little bit better in verse 29. Jesus replied, this kind cannot be cast out, but only by prayer and fasting. You see, there's, there's some of you that you're walking through a situation right now. You're going through a season in your life that it requires some extra time with God. It requires you to really silence the noise and allow God to speak into your life. For some of you, it's more than just, hey God, I, I'm praying a little bit today. I'm, I'm praying about this situation. You need to carve out intentional time. Maybe that means waking up early in the morning and spending 30, 40 minutes in prayer for the Lord to truly speak to you, that you, you saturate your life in prayer like we saw in Philippians 4 last week, that you saturate your life in prayer. And then Jesus told them that it requires, this demon requires prayer and fasting. And fasting is just a simple way. The simplest way to explain it is that fasting is simply removing something from your life and devoting that time to the Lord. You can fast food, you can fast sweets, you can, many people fast just different things, social media, TV, hobbies. 
But the key is not that you just give up something because a lot of times in the church world, you hear someone or, or we go into 21 days of fasting or, or a week of fasting or something like that. And, and it's just, well, I stopped doing this. Well, that's fine. That's cool that you're making that sacrifice. But if we're not devoting that time to the Lord, we're kind of missing the point of the sacrifice. And so for some of you, you're facing a mountain that is so much greater than you can even handle. And maybe the Lord is saying, hey, I want you to take a special time of prayer and fasting for us to get to the root of what's really going on. Take a special time of prayer and fasting in order for us to tackle this mountain, in order for you to look at this mountain and say, move from here to there. Sometimes it requires us carving out some extra special, unique time with the Lord. And maybe that looks like for you, instead of going and do a hobby, instead of waking up in the morning and just hopping on your phone to look at social media, maybe it means that you carve out a little bit of time and you go to the beach with your Bible and your journal. And you just say, God, I, I need you to speak to me today. And you spend some time there. Maybe it looks like instead of scrolling at night through social media, it, it looks like you scrolling through scripture and allowing the Lord to speak to you. Maybe for you it is fasting for a period of time, fasting food, fasting. It, it, what it does is it, it breaks our body, it breaks our habits, it breaks our rhythms that not, not all of them are bad, but it breaks us and it gives us a chance for the Lord to heal us. I only share that because some of you are facing some daunting mountains and it's in those seasons that the Lord says, hey, why don't you spend a little bit of extra time with me? It's, it's almost like a marriage that's on the rocks going to counseling. It's an opportunity for there to be healing, for there to be some, some special time that's created, that's carved out for conversations to happen that wouldn't normally happen in an everyday situation. It's just an opportunity for you to dig a little bit deeper. So as we jump into this series, as we gear up for coming back to church in person, as we go through all of those things, the challenge for us is, is not that we don't have faith, but we need to recognize the unbelief that's actually in our lives, call it for what it is, and say, God, I believe in you, but help me overcome my unbelief. And as we do that, as we look at the stories that are to come in this series, it will, it will open up the opportunity for us to step into a new season of faith that maybe you've never experienced before because you push out that unbelief and allow your faith to overtake and overgrow every other thought, every other distraction, every other struggle that you're having in your life. Let's pray together, church. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this passage of scripture. I thank you for the reminder that, man, so many times we just think that it's either we have unbelief or we have faith, but God, we recognize in this story, it's, it's not that the father didn't believe you could heal his son, his heal his kid. I mean, he came to the disciples and then he came to you. He believed that it could happen. It's why he was there. But his unbelief had just clouded out what he was believing. 
And so, God, I pray that you just reveal in each and every one of us, reveal our hearts, reveal what's really going on in there. Allow us to recognize the area where unbelief has come in and is starting to, to push down our faith and hold us back from our purpose and hold us back from your plan. God, I pray that you would just let faith rise up in us over this season. As we go through this series, let it be marked by the faith that is expressed through our lives, through the way that we live out what we believe, by the way that we believe you for the impossible. And God, I'm believing for miracles to happen in the families' lives who are hearing this. I pray for every family who's hearing these words, God, that you would, you would set up a hedge of protection around their home as they're hearing this series, as they're exploring their faith, as they're digging into you. Maybe some of them decide to, to take a time to fast and to pray God, I pray in the name of Jesus that your hedge of protection would be around them, that you would silence the enemy and that your voice would cut through louder than any other voice. And God, that their, their faith would rise up and we'd see the miracles that you promised us in your word happening day in and day out in our lives. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. We pray all of this in your strong and your mighty name. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed the message today. We would love to be able to partner with you on your faith journey. Regardless of where you're at or what you're walking through, know that your friends at City Hills Church are here for you. If you would like for us to pray for you, click the contact button on the top of the homepage and share your request with us. Our prayer team will keep you and your family in prayer every week. We hope you have an incredible day and that you discover a little more purpose throughout your week. We look forward to seeing you soon.